Hello, welcome to this Thursday evening edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Happy Thursday to you all. We are almost to yet another Friday, and of course that means the Penguins will be traveling to Toronto, I believe this Sunday. They have a scrimmage tonight, actually, which is going to begin in about nine minutes as I'm recording this. And then they have a practice day tomorrow, scrimmage on Saturday, and like I said, they leave on Sunday. Sidney Crosby will not be playing in the scrimmage tonight. Apparently, it is being considered a minor abdominal injury, according to Elliot Freeman on the 31 Thoughts podcast. Um, If you guys did not listen to that latest episode, please go do so. It has a lot of very, very good content, and that's what apparently Elliot Freeman is hearing about regarding Sidney Crosby's absence from practice. has nothing to do with his sports hernia uh, surgery that he had way earlier in the season, which is, of course, very, very good news. But just wanted to pass that information along to you guys. But today we have a very special guest on the Locked On Penguins podcast. He's been on here, I think it was one time, I think it was on trade deadline day, he came on during the evening to talk Patrick Marlowe and the trades that the Penguins made. But today he's back to talk about the Penguins series against Montreal, goaltending, a bunch of other things as well. Um, Jesse Marshall, one of the Penguins writers of The Athletic. Jesse, first off, how are you and how's your health? Uh, it's as good as it's going to get, I guess. <laughs> no, it's good. We're... It's good to be back. I mean, you know, we're uh, staying inside and staying wearing masks and socially distancing and, um, you know, just uh, following advice. Yeah, I think that's honestly the best way you could describe it. I mean, you know, I'm on a socially distanced beach trip. We brought all our own food. We're not going out. You know, we're not like some of these idiots that, you know, there's a couple people across the street at, at our neighborhood that are just like being dumb every night. And it's just like... You guys went away for the wrong reasons, but um, <laughs> in any yeah. case, um, it's great to have you back on here. Um, I guess we'll just start with the elephant in the room, Jesse. The we all knew it was going to come back. This Matt Murray Tristan Jari situation looks like Tristan Jari has had a pretty good start to training camp. Matt Murray was a little bit down, of course. Everyone was freaking out because he allowed seven goals in a scrimmage. Um, I just wanted to ask you, what do you think is going to happen for that situation going into game one? Me personally, I still think it's going to be Matt, but with a shorter leash. What, what's your take on it? Uh, pretty much the same. I, I, just, I don't see a way that Tristan Jari plays his way in in camp. You know, I, that doesn't seem... I guess I guess the one scenario I'd give you on is, like, let's say he like got shelled against Philly and walked off, mm-hmm. you know, in that exhibition game. I suppose that I could see there be some, you know, hesitancy on the part of Mike Sullivan to, uh, you know, not take that into consideration. But I mean, overall, I don't, I just don't expect that to happen. I don't know. I just don't know. I, I, it's hard for me because I never take anything away from camp and, and regular training. You know, like I, I try to just keep a level head about it because this is just as much about rhythm um, and getting back into it as it is anything else. So, you know, what, what is a seven-goal performance for Matt Murray may have come on a day where uh, the coaching staff had him focusing on one thing in particular, and we don't know what that thing was. I mean, we, you know, it's just there's too many unknowns for us to sit around and draw, like, any sweeping conclusions from this. I'm also not going to fault anyone for, you know, wondering what's going on with Murray or being concerned, or that's just the nature of the beast, right? Um, but it's not as if he hasn't made a saving camp. He's been tested several times and has come out on the better end of it. Um, you know, I just, for me, it's a five-game series against Montreal Otter, so you can't have a long leash. Yeah. And it's just not plausible, right? So nobody knows that better than the Penguins coaching staff. 
Uh, so I think they're going to do the right thing. I think that's ultimately, you know, they've, they've gone against the will of the people before um, in the decisions that they've made, difficult decisions they've made that won Stanley Cups. There's no reason uh, to assume that they're not going to treat this situation any differently. Yeah, and I agree with you 100% on that. Um, I think part of the Penguins fan base I kind of like wants to see Tristan Jari start in Game 1 because I guess they think he was better than Matt Murray during the regular season, which he was for a good chunk of it, I would say, um, though his numbers did kind of deteriorate towards um, the later stages of the season before it was paused. But I just, people that think that Jari is going to go Game 1, I think, like you said, I just think they're setting themselves up for disappointment. We all knew this was going to be a big talking point. I think Matt Murray is Mike Sullivan's guy. We all know it, it's going to be a shorter leash just because of the situation, as you said. But, I mean, I still think he'll honestly start the entire series. I really don't think Matt Murray is going to have a bad series against Montreal. But also part of that, I just don't think Montreal is that good. And, you know, we're, we're going to get into that um, pretty soon as Let well. Let me throw one more thing at you, too. Okay. I, like, it's just as far as, as this goaltending piece goes, um, and, you know, I think, you know, you mentioned when you were talking about Mike Sullivan and, and, and him being the, you know, Matt Murray being his guy. I do think that's true, right? I do think that because there's a history there. It's well documented. We know it. They've won Stanley Cups together. But I don't want us to spend time looking back at what happened in February. Mm-hmm. I just think we're, we're in it. We're in that unique position, Hunter, where, like, Every single trend that we were looking at in you know, February, March, we can flush directly down the toilet. Like That's kind of the cool thing about this, is that we're not really in a position where we... Like, I think there are exceptions, like Connor Hellebuck, right? Like he, I think he's so good that it doesn't matter. You could give him a year off, mm-hmm. and I don't think it would make a difference, right? But I think for like your normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill goalie, um, we're all coming in with this just absolute blank slate. So in that sense, um, you know, I, I think they will either base it off of just overall career experience or, you know, if things drastically swing one way or another in camp, that that's a real New York Rangers problem, right? Cause they literally have three guys that could play goalie I'm be curious and ultimately, you know, <laughs> like yeah. ultimately the camp's really going to determine what happens there. But I think in Pittsburgh, it's just a little less unsure. Um, regardless of what your feelings on Matt Murray might be, uh, it's this. In, in regardless of the circumstances, it's still a big ask to start a guy in this situation that's never played in a playoff game before. Now, that's still a big deal. And in and, and trends aside, you know, we're all coming into a situation where we have absolutely no idea what's about to happen. You know, are hot shooters still hot? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are guys that were in a slump still slumping? I mean, I don't know. You know, I think it's like, it's <laughs> kind of just, it, it's kind of a cool way to, to, we should, we should have a month off before the playoffs every year. Yeah. Uh, the chaos that we're about to experience, I think is, is going to be something else. But uh, my main point again, is just like, I would caution anyone from referencing what we just experienced months ago in terms of today's argument, uh, just because it's going to be much more of, of what happens in the immediate and, and what have you done for me lately approach. Yeah. I 100% agree with you on that. And I, I was telling people like the, 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 over the past few days, like 
oh, I don't, I don't see how you start Matt Murray in game one. It's like, well, it's honestly pretty easy how you start Matt Murray in game one. He's won you two Stanley Cups. He was 937 in 2017, 923 in 2016. He has a history of elevating his game in big moments. So, I mean, of course there's plenty of reasons why you're going to start Murray game one. And it's, like, like you said, it's very, very likely that he will. He will. Lot, some people aren't going to like it. You know what? I say tough shit to that, to be honest. Um, he's, I don't know. It just, it, it kind of like makes my blood boil a little bit. It's just the way that, that some of the Penguins fans have kind of treated Matt Murray this season and just last season. But not even this season, just I think period. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's a situation where you're inheriting the seat of a guy who won the heart and mind of everybody uh, and had a huge, loud personality. Yeah. Right? And you transition to a guy who, his biggest personality traits probably is dogs. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it is what it is. I think to an extent, you, know, you remember that meme that was going around during the pause uh, about eating dinner at Atria's and vans yeah. yes. coming up to Matt Murray? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that became, it's a meme is what it is. Let's call it that. But, like, <laughs> I think it gets overblown in that sense, right? But let's just call a spade a spade. In that, there is a, an extremely, I think, large and, and vocal contingent of people that don't like Matt Murray. And if that's rooted in his performance, great. Like, I'll discuss it with you all day long. Yes. So if it's rooted in the expansion draft, we got to get over it at some point. You know, it's it's been a couple years. Yeah, I think, honestly, I mean, it, it, a lot of it is because of the expansion draft. And, you know, doesn't smile like Marc-Andre Fleury or doesn't do this or doesn't do that. And like you said, if you want to discuss Matt Murray's subpar play for – Part of this season, sure, go ahead. You know, he wasn't really that good for most of the season. But, you know, it's a clean slate, as you said. I think that's one of the biggest things going into this. Who knows what's going to happen? You brought up Connor Hellebuck. That's a great thing, too. Connor Hellebuck basically dragged the Winnipeg Jets' corpses to the playoffs. Uh, But did he he get that heart vote, Hunter? No. no, Did he he, get a heart? No, he didn't, did he? No, he didn't. No, he did not. He didn't score. Hey, he didn't score up goals. That's the problem was. No, yeah, he he, he did not. Patrick Lane did not get it either, and uh, he's kind of disappointing as well. And you brought up the New York Rangers situation, you know, is – is this going to be Henrik Lundqvist last hurrah? I don't really think he's going to start. I don't think he should start, but we'll be probably. I think that's going. To, I'll have that discussion with you later on in this episode. But first off, um, we do have to talk about RockAuto.com. It's a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. You can go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see. All the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same professionals and do-it-yourselves. Why should you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Um, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. You can go to rockauto.com and you can write Locked On in, in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that we know that we sent you. All right, Jesse. So we all know the Penguins are playing the Montreal Canadiens in the qualifying round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It actually will count as as the actual Stanley Cup playoffs, so the Penguins will be extending their playoff streak to, what is it, 14 years in a row now. That is the longest streak in the NHL. Jesse, I've been thinking this now that like it's starting to get a lot closer. I, I've started to dive into the matchup more. I really just don't see a way that the Penguins lose this series, other than Carey Price just turning into God himself, going back to 2015, going putting up a 940, 950 save percentage and stonewalling. 
um, the Penguins, I was reading, uh, Craig Custance had that great piece on The Athletic this week, basically detailing, you know, how much can Carey Price really do to, you know, or basically, I think in other words, you know, Carey Price can only do so much for that team. And I like Jonathan Duan. I think he's a good player. I like Brendan Gallagher. I like Max Domi. It looks like he's going to play, but they're just not deep enough, I don't think, to really push the Penguins. Hunter, Hunter, Hunter. You made a critical mistake, my friend. Oh, man. You've forgotten about the New York Islanders last year. Here's the thing, man. Like, I'm going to pick the Penguins to win this series. Um, I don't quite know how long it's going to take yet. Mm-hmm. It's going to be four or five, probably. I don't, I don't think the sweep is in the cards here. Um, here's the thing. Montreal, you're absolutely right. They lack front-end star power. Like and even I would say like their heaviest hitter offensively is probably Jonathan Drouin. Um, it's going to be a big ask, you know, because if you look at his line mates, you know, Nick Suzuki, not a really huge offensive threat, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's not quite as thorough as what the Penguins have. But analytically speaking, Montreal was an extremely difficult team to play against. They often dominated possession mm-hmm. and took the better share of expected goals. Uh, they're a team that plays a lot like the Islanders did last year. They'll send two guys up ice to forecheck your D and try to pin them into mistakes. Um, we think about, you know, um, players like, you know, I'll throw Jack Johnson's name out there, his struggles to handle the puck. Chris Letang has a tendency sometimes to do too much. Um, you know, you don't know what you're going to get. Maybe that struggles uh, uh, come to uh, John Marino and Marcus Pedersen because of that pressure. I think the Penguins have to be thorough. Or they have to be thorough. They have to take care of the puck. Their trouble always comes from really wounds that are self-inflicted. Yeah. They're always self-inflicted, Hunter, by teams just like this. The Washingtons, the Islanders, those fast teams that can get on the front foot and forecheck, that's exactly what this is. Yeah. So I think where the Penguins win this series is in their bottom six, um, and I think their defense is better. I think Jack Johnson would be an upgrade for the Canadians' third pairing. Wow, it was, that, they I take, can't believe like, you, you just know, said that. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> I think it's true. I mean, I don't even know that they know who their number six is right now. Mm-hmm. So it's a situation that, you know, that, that the Penguins are better, but they, again, if they're not taking care of it, they get too carried away with this mm-hmm. offense, offense, offense stuff. It's going to come back to bite them. And then all of a sudden in a short series, what does an 0-2 hole look like when you only need to win three? You know, uh, they have to. I think they just have to come out and make a statement right out of the gate. Yeah. Um, if they, I think if they wipe the floor with the Canadians in the first game, um, it's going to be over sooner than later. Yeah, I agree. They need to come out. They need to say, you know what? We're the better team. We're deeper. Our top six is just. Uh, I cannot wait to watch that top six. It's just going to be absolutely disgusting. Yeah. And. I mean, you mentioned the bottom six, too. I'm going to get to Claude Julian in a second because that that's one of the biggest things that kind of scares me. We all know what he did with the Bruins in 2013. That was one of the most embarrassing series losses I think I've ever seen. Um, the fact that I was supposed to go to game five of that series back in Pittsburgh right after school got out. Still a little butthurt about that to this day. But anyways, you mentioned the bottom six. And I can't help but think about how that Tanev, Tanev Bluger, Aston Reese line is going to go up, I think, against that Max Domi line. And I just, I want to see that matchup. Um, Jesse, do you think that line is going to be the biggest X factor in that series? Or maybe is it like the Marlowe McCann line? Oh, so the Marlowe McCann-Hornquist line is is 
it's it is a wild card in the sense that we don't know what it's going to do, mm-hmm. right? Like we don't we don't have a, a long history to draw off of with that group. Um, you know, I would say even for like a guy like Jared McCann who fluctuates between wing and center quite a bit, um, it's we'll find out, you know. And it, it's it's a question mark in the sense that the other three lines are a little bit written in stone, right? Kind of got what you got there. So if that third line doesn't work. Do you take somebody out and put mm-hmm. Evan Rodriguez in? Um, what is it, what is the solution? You know, what do we look at there? Um, I think that the so a couple of things, right, about this this fourth. I don't even want to call it the fourth. The the, the Bluger line, I guess we'll call it. Um, everybody had the opportunity during the pause to sit back and marinate on what had just happened in the regular season. Mm-hmm. It was almost like we got ourselves an off season right out of nowhere. Um, that included a lot of video analysis. It included a lot of like people combing over data, making award projections. You know, and it, the thing is, is that we just you cannot say enough. You can't really even quant. It's hard to quantify the value of a lion that goes out and just doesn't spend time in its defensive zone. Yeah. Right? When it is there, it's it's taking care of business and it's taking keep everything's to the perimeter. You know, the goalie's not troubled. Having a line that you could deploy anywhere, offensive zone, neutral zone, defensive zone, and trust it's going to do that uh, is a huge asset in the postseason, right? Mm -hmm. That's what this line is. It's that good defensively. It is a wet blanket. And when you, the closer you got to the stoppage in play, the tougher the matchups that lineup started to take. You almost see on paper Sullivan's confidence developing in them as time went on. Their ice time starts to go up. Their deployments start to change. Uh, and I think he knows what he has in it. It's not a threatening line offensively. It really isn't. Um, you know, Teddy Bluger, I think, has got a little shake and bake in him sometimes. Yeah. Um, Zach Aston Reese is like a big Mack truck, right? And then Brandon Tenev is, you know, just chaotic out there. He's just a, a, a hard person to deal with. Uh, and when they get up on the front foot and when they attack, uh, you, you just can't get the puck in the zone on them. You can't. It's they, they don't allow pucks in zones. Mm-hmm. And not only that, the amount of pucks they retrieve is insane. They lead the team in puck retrievals. Uh, so the micro data says they're good. The actual data says they're good. The video supports it. Uh, Montreal does not have that line. It, that's the critical piece to this. Mm-hmm. What is that line for Paul Maurice? You know, is it Jordan Wheel and Dale Weiss? Jake Evans? <laughs> I don't yeah. think that's the line. No. You know, like, so I just, to me, Sullivan is going to, this is a situation where these guys are going to be out there against Deneau, Tatar, and Gallagher. Okay. They're going to be trying. I think, though, I think that Mike Sullivan will use that line, especially at home in defensive zone faceoffs, as a way to try to get Crosby free. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think that Sullivan's particularly afraid of Nick Suzuki against Crosby or Malkin. No. Um, and then, you know, your third, you know, Max Domi's out there. Sure. You know, that, that's not, that's nothing to scoff at, but, um, I think overall just Sullivan having that sort of shutdown unit, um, is maybe akin to some of the Cullen lines from the cup winning years, right? Like it's the same spirit of the thing. Um, and these players are that good. And if the Selkie and the reality of the situation, people, Hunter can laugh, people can laugh at this Hunter if they want to. Mm-hmm. The Stokey Trophy was actually based on defensive performance. Zach Asteris would win. Yeah, I, I, it was actually kind of funny how he was not a finalist for it, and you know it's just the same usual. Yep, Sean Couturier, Patrice Bergeron. Yep. Um, I'm trying to. Who was the um, 
Oh, <coughs> but it's just, it's one of those things that, you know, he didn't score enough, right? He's not a well enough known name. He's not good enough offensively. Mm-hmm. But if that, tr- if there really was a trophy that was just for best defensive forward and it wasn't a two way award, uh-huh. or, you know, it actually was about defensive value, you'd have to give it to Zach Austin Reese because every defensive metric that you could think of in your little brain is. It's the, it's, it, he leads almost practically like it's that he's that good. And so that's unbelievable. I, I have to say that though, because I, I, I still get tweets from people that want to put him on the bench. And I'm like, you just don't know what you've got here. You know, if you're sitting on a gold mine, you want to bench it, it, it was, for, for what? I know. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause like who could have predicted this going into this season that Zach Carson Reese would be one of the best defensive forwards in the NHL. I mean, I don't think no, and I, anyone. Out I would there? have bought. I would have bought a prediction that said Zach Aston Reese like developed into like a good power forward. Yes, I agree. You know, like that, I could have bought like with some health. Like you could have seen how that would become the case. Like this, no, no. But the funny thing about it, though, Hunter, is I don't think he's doing it vis a vis like Adam Oates. You know, like Adam Oates was just a really good like like. Uh, John Madden, you know that old center from the Devils. Like John mm-hmm. Madden was a good defensive forward. That he would get on your backside and shut you down. These guys are just doing it by not having to play defense. I think that's equally as cool and unique. It's not like you know. It's I still wouldn't have seen it coming. The point stands, you know. But the way they're going about it, I think, is even more fun. We're not watching them, you know, bored out of our minds. You know, they're on the front foot, you know, getting up there and, and pressing the play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And here's another thing, not to cut you off, but <laughs> I'm getting carried away now. But one thing to watch with that line, this is it. For anyone that listens to this podcast, this is the number one thing you watch for with that line. A controlled breakout from the other team, right? So when Montreal's got the puck behind their own net, right, they're waiting for their forwards to do their thing before they get up ice. You're going to see a Bluger and one of Tanev or Aston Reese come full bore ahead on them. And they're going to sit there and wait and wait until they're right on top of them to make the play. Mm-hmm. I think what people don't maybe realize all the time, or what the X factor is, is that third forward. And that third forward in the sequence is only lingering 15 to 20 feet behind that. The way that they work this hunter is somebody's always moving. Okay, so if, if let's say these two four checkers get up there and press... Montreal peels off. They peel off too. They don't just go away. They don't waste space and time and energy. They follow the puck. They stay puck side. Mm-hmm. So even if you make a pass, the defenseman, this is like the terrifying part to me about this line, is even if you make the first pass to get out of that trouble of two four checkers, what are you going to do about the other forward? You're passing the puck to a guy who hasn't gotten out of his breakout sequence yet, still in the middle of it, you're making a pass early and now like let's say you know Bluger and Tanev run the attack your pass recipients literally got Zach Aston Reese breathing on top of them probably not a whole lot of options as far as like passing is concerned because again they've rushed this whole thing so I, I think of it as like almost two vices right like that first vice is that double four check where they press the second one is the second four checker with their back check so at every point you're at, you're being pressured. Uh, it, it's a fun thing to watch. And I went back and like watched tape on it. And, and I've got an article on The Athletic next week that will be out with a bunch of this stuff in it. But it's just it's almost like you watch it and you think, if I'm the other coach, what, am I, what do I do? <laughs> and, 
it's, it's, like, it's going to I guess, be like, so don't, funny. Don't let the puck get in your end. That's yeah. the answer, right? Like, you've got to try to beat them at their own game, but that's, a, you know, easier said than done. It's going to be so funny to watch what they're doing as – because I'm sure behind the net it's going to be, I, mean, I think most likely, Shea Weber or Jeff Petrie, and they're just going to be sitting there like – Oh my God. It's yeah, really, that's the way they play. Yeah, you know? It's really just going to be crazy to see, you know, like I said, how Weber reacts to it, how Petrie reacts to it, who I honestly think is better than Shea Weber at this point in their respective careers. But um, Jesse, so moving on from that line, or going to a different uh, topic, is there a matchup in this series that scares you? That, that's, I think, what I really want to know. I think only in a scenario where Sidney Crosby doesn't play. Okay. Um, I know. Like, I think in that sense, you still like your chances with Dino, um, Tar, and Gallagher against the Malkin line, right? But it looks a lot different if Jared McCann has to play center there. Um, you know, maybe that 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 sort of that transitional game that Crosby provides you those one touch passes and you know his ability to to get in there and dig pucks out. That's a huge role in this because the bat that battle to me, you know, mm. if that's the way it ends up in Montreal, and I think it will, uh, I think it, I think Julian will go, you know, blow for blow, line for line, um, at home. Um, I, I think that the, the 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 specialty of that group is what the specialty, the Crosby group is, just on a very smaller level, obviously a smaller level, but they forecheck, you know, all those things we've been talking about about getting up ice and trying to take time and space away from you. Mm. Um, you know, Crosby thrives there. That's why you're not scared about that is that you can't take time and space away from Sidney Crosby. Yeah. Good luck. I mean, you can try, right. But like, I I think about some of the stuff, you know, the Jason Spezza moves and his, him putting them on Shea Weber, you know, like it's going to (laughs) be tough to handle, but all of a sudden now, you know, if, if, if you have to match Malkin with that line intentionally, because you don't have Crosby, what do you, you know, what does that do to the rest of this thing? You know, that depth advantage is suddenly maybe not as stark as it once was. And I know it sounds like a no-brainer saying, you know, uh, you don't like the Penguins without Sidney Crosby. But, I mean, like, otherwise, I don't know that I've got one for you because I think the Penguins really have an answer at, at every single every single area. Um, I do think that the potential to have, you know, a third line uh, from Montreal that has a little bit of a better identity than the one the Penguins does is a little scary. Um, mm. But I think that Mike Sullivan can hide um, that third pairing pretty well. I think he can too. He's, he's historically done it, so that makes me pretty confident that they won't get exposed against any one particular unit for Montreal. Yeah, I think Montreal is kind of the perfect team that you could hide that third pairing for, just because Montreal is just, you know, they're not as deep as, say, Philadelphia. I mean, Washington, who you could get in the round of 16. Hell, you could potentially get Boston in that round if they go 0-3 in their round, round right. robin, but... I definitely agree with that. I think Jack Johnson probably won't play as bad as he did during uh, most of the regular season and d- during the last. Well, season. I think in just you know about Johnson Hunter, I think he's looked okay in camp. Okay, by you know Jack Johnson standards. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the one area he's got to watch, and I've noticed it a couple times already. On instances where you have a wall battle in the defensive zone, right? Mm-hmm. He gets a little too aggressive with wanting to keep that puck in, and that's not his game. His game should be to back up and give himself time and space to regroup and get in front of guys. Um, and it has been a couple instances where it's like it's almost like he wants to take advantage of Justin Schultz being back there. Um, but 
you know, I'd, I'd rather see, you know, live the fight another day approach from him. And the one couple of times I think he's jumped out in a bad way, really, on the tape in camp is when he, he's making those jumps and those pinches. And I think if you just get rid of those, um, he's giving you a serviceable third-pairing experience. Man, I sure hope so. I, I sure want him to be at least rep- uh, serviceable, not below replacement like he's been for – a lot of his Penguins tenure and a lot for his career. Um, before we get to some of the uh, fun stuff, Jesse, I do want to um, end this with this question. I was talking last week, what, what my biggest X factor for an individual player is for this series, honestly, for the whole uh, playoffs, for the Penguins outside of like their goaltending or their core players. For, mm. for me, it's Jared McCann because he, he had a great start to the season scoring it well, putting up great numbers. His underlying numbers were also really good. Then he goes on that really bad thunk. What was it, like two goals, 22 games, you know, one goal in his last 20, something like that. And now he's coming back. It's a whole refresh. You have Patrick Marlowe on your left wing who can still fly. Fly is really, really good. Patrick Hornquist, not really sure how he's going to fit on that line. I mean, he just goes right to the net anyway, but he's officially back after um, being quarantined for a little bit. He's he's back to you, Hunter, like, and... And not banged up, which is rare for yes. a playoff Patrick Hornquist to come in not banged up. I'm, I'm, I'm That's excited. crazy. Like that, you know, that never happens. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it, it, not to say it doesn't benefit, you know, a guy like Marlowe too, who's an older guy, but I think for Hornquist, just the amount of physical abuse that he takes, that's pretty great to have him at, you know, this level yeah, of uh, fitness. I'm very, very excited to have him back at a full 100%. But, so with Jared McCann as the X factor hunter, here's the other thing too. He's, he only took he only won forty six percent of his faceoffs this year. That's a yikes. If he's going to play center, he can't. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's got to be an improvement there. You've got to at least get closer to fifty. I could live with forty nine, you know, forty eight, but forty six on the low end. By the way, um, not great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's not going to cut it, especially against you know it won't cut it against any team to be honest, but. Jesse, is there one player that you will be really like for like a big X factor that's not a core player or not a goalie? What player I think you think is one of the biggest X factors going into this? Oh, it's series? Young John Marino. Okay. Uh, here's the thing that people I don't think talk about enough is the other thing, and I'm not trying to romanticize the coronavirus pandemic because it's truly awful, and we're blessed we're even having these discussions, but. The, the 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 thing it changed, Hunter, was the fact that John Marino had been drinking milkshakes <laughs> for the for the weeks leading up to his return. Yep. For this break, and he lost weight. A big part of his game, his ability to stay in front of the other forward, take their gap, like keep a good gap, right? It's tough, John. You can't run John Marino over. You know he gets in front of you, uses his stick, and he separates you from the puck. That's probably the number one strength of his game. So how compromised was his ability to do that at 10, 15 pounds lighter? It like got to be a little bit, right? You'd imagine. So uh, what I've seen from Marino so far in these inter-squad scrimmages is exactly what you saw from him in November, December of last year. Stepping up on guys, taking away their time and their space. He's super decisive with the puck, I think, in camp right now. Um, he's sending it off to the right direction. I think he and Marcus Pedersen really do complement each other super well. Um, they're they're kind of the same guy on some level, um, but they're so well rounded. There's no gap in that pairing. You know, it's just it's very steady as it goes. 
And it, that's what you want out of a second unit. You don't need your second unit to be blockbuster. You just need it to be reliable. Yes. I mean, I think I, that John Marino has got an untapped offensive potential, defense. I mean, you name it. Uh, and I just get the sense that there's not a situation. It's too big for him. Uh, and and he's, he's healthy and ready to go. Yeah. I, I'm getting close to saying, I'm not there yet, that this could be someone who could be the next Penguins franchise defenseman when Chris Letang eventually calls it quits because, I mean, you know, he's 33, 34 almost at this point. And I'm just, I'm really excited to watch him and that pairing. I, I want Marcus Pedersen to play better, though. There were a lot of times, honestly, I thought during the season where wasn't as good as his rookie year. He comes in a little. Let me. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I agree with you 100. percent But I will say this in defense of Marcus Pedersen, mm-hmm. the man, unfortunately, this season found himself in the literal shittiest situations that he could be in. Mm-hmm. You know, he ended up trying to sort of buoy a lot of really bad players, uh, and I don't think that he's at a point in his career where he's equipped to do that yet. Maybe one day that'll be the case. Uh, but right now, Marcus Pedersen is a guy that you use in a complementary role. Right? Like, for instance, he makes he and John Marino probably make themselves or make each other better a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Um, you could put Pedersen with Brian Dumoulin and let him be the puck mover. You probably get a good return out of that. Um, but I don't think that you could put him with Jack Johnson. Don't think you could put him with Justin Schultz. I don't think you could play him on the wrong side of the ice. Uh, and I think he got asked to do a lot of things this year that just were not good for a second-year player. So I, I'm interested. I think these results um, will be very telling. The sample size we get out of these playoff games will tell us a lot. Mm-hmm. I also expect them to be better as a result. And it sound, again, it sounds obvious. Like, we don't play them with crappy guys. But it was just, even from that perspective, it was like a mismatch. You know, His skill set, it was like water and oil. Uh, so, you know, I think they finally have a home for him as well. Yeah. And I think the deployment for that line is going to be intriguing as well. I would expect them to get a lot of time with the Malkin, with Zucker and Russ line, potentially with the Marlowe McCann line. I mean, I think obviously Dumoulin Latang is going to be mostly with, uh, Gensel with Crosby, but, um, I I am going to be curious to see how much they are deployed. I I would assume they're going to get a handful of minutes because of course, they're going to shelter the third pairing as much as possible, give Jack Johnson and Justin Schultz maybe like 12 minutes a night, and if that, to be honest with you. But, um, yeah, I'm just, I just, I, I can't wait to see more of John Marino. I wish he could have been in the Calder discussion, but that injury just really kind of screwed him over. And all. Oh, the it players. was the injury and the fact that, like, this year is just chock wide full of generational talent at defense. Yeah. Uh, that's the <laughs> other thing, too, is that he was just unfortunately surrounded by guys who were better than him. And that's you know you got to figure if they're better than him, um, they got to be pretty good. So uh, it was just a, a, a perfect storm mm-hmm. of bad situations for John Marino. Yeah, uh, I hundred percent agree with you on that. So okay, nobody's going to care about that Calder Trophy five years from now, though, Hunter, when he's on a cheap contract and is yep, up obscene numbers, which is my ultimate prediction. I think so. That, that would be perfect, especially when you know Quinn Hughes and Cal McCarr are about to get paid and paid in a. <laughs> Yeah. Pretty, pretty big way. Um, I don't care whoever wins the Calder. I think it's going to be one of those two. You can give it to either one of them, um, in my opinion. But, okay, Jesse, so last question about um, this before we get to the um, fun step. Right now, gun to your head, what team in the qualifying round has the biggest chance of, or I guess like the best chance of being upset by a lower seed? It's the Rangers and the, and the Hurricanes, for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I don't know what it is about that series that's got everybody's interest peaked. Um, and I guess if Connor Hellebuck goes ham again, uh, Calgary is in for a bad time, probably. Um, you know, it's a tough. That's a tough tree to chop down when he's when he's playing the way he was. Uh, but Rangers have like three competent goalies, some really good offensive players, a system that I don't think is very friendly to Carolina, uh, and a team that's probably too dumb to know any better. I think that's like a really bad recipe for the Hurricanes for whatever reason. It's only five games. If the Rangers come out and win game one, what happens? You know, like how crazy would that be? Mm-hmm. Like what would that do to the Hurricanes? And I think that Rob Brendamore is a really good coach, and I think they have a really good culture down there. But Dougie Hamilton didn't practice today. Yep, saw that. You know, like they, they, I, I, I was less inclined to. You know, I feel a lot better about the Hurricanes with him in the lineup. Obviously, so yeah. I don't know, man. I, that series, just whatever reason, like feel a certain kind of way about it. And I don't know that I could put my finger on all. It's all of those things mm-hmm. that just make if, me feel like. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Go, go, go. Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's it. It just makes me feel like it's it's one of those five twelve matchups in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's honestly the best way to put it. And especially the big thing for me is is Artemi Panarin going to go off again? I'm of the opinion. I think he should get the Hart Trophy. He carried the Rangers into the playoffs. Um, yeah, I think he was the most valuable player to a team. This season, I will die on that hill um, until next season when and this inevitably happens again for a different player. But I think for that series, you know, what do the Rangers do in goal? They have three reliable options. Is this Henrik Lundqvist's last hurrah? You know, he's going to be like, well, I kind of want the net, but there's two guys. One, one that, for the Gipper. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to – it's just, it's just going to be fascinating to see what happens with that goaltending situation for the playoffs and – you know, what you said with uh, the Calgary one, you know, if Connor Hellebuck goes God mode, he goes Yaroslav Halak mode, um, Ka- Calgary's going to be in for a, a hard time winning that series. And I think Yaroslav Halak mode would be a step back for Connor Hellebuck based on the way he was playing, <laughs> 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 the way he was playing before the season stopped. Um, and that's like, you know, you got a little rivalry there too, so that's going to be, yes. uh, that'll be, that'll be a really fun one. Yeah, a that- lot of people are like, Here's my other thing for you, Hunter. A lot of people seem to be like really bullish on the Blackhawks. I'm not. Oh. They're terrible defensively. They can't play defense. Oh, they can't. And I'm not. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent bought on the resurgence of Jonathan Taves. Oh yeah, they, they. I'm sure they brought that back. And you know, Patrick Kane's awesome. I mean, no one's gonna take that away. I love Alex DeBrincat. But I mean, it looks like they got Brent Seabrook coming back though, Jesse. That's that's the big one for the Blackhawks there. All right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, All shaking in our boots. Yeah, yeah that. Yeah, I mean, Duncan Keith. Who, who, can he still play at the top level? I know. I, I, love, I love the rookie that Kubalik that they have. He's going to be really, yeah, really yeah. good. But I mean, I mean, thirty-one goals is nothing. I think Connor David is just going to come out on with a house on fire, as Elliot Treeman said yeah. in his thirty-one thoughts podcast um, the other yeah. day that I was listening to. He's just going to. Come out guns and blazing! I can't wait to see what he does to the Blackhawks if he does what I think he's going to do to them because that's going to be. <laughs> let's just say I think it would be really fun to watch. But all right, Jesse, let's get to the fun stuff now. Tell me now that we're getting really, really close to the playoffs, Jesse. Tell me about some of your playoff superstitions that you've had over the years. If you had some, do you have like a meal that you have before a Penguin playoff game? Do you? Sit in a certain spot. Do you go somewhere in the morning? You know, do anything. Just tell me about it. I have go-to beers, so I generally stick with like Moosehead, 
besides like my playoff beer, became a superstition um, because if we were trying to drink beer like that we felt like Sydney would be like generate you know good aura for Sydney Crosby. Mm. Um, so given where Moosehead's from, you know, we figured go with that. Um, and then uh, I was in college. I read this like England's playoff mixtape that we'd made. And they went back to the playoffs against the uh, Senators. Mm-hmm. Crosby's debut in the postseason when they lost in five games. Um, that's still floating around. That's incredible. Like, so, like, we that that became, like, a Spotify playlist. It's got a lot of really embarrassing, like, the, the intro track from DMX's It's Dark and Hell is Hot is on there. Um, it's a lot of really embarrassing songs like that, but uh, it's, you know, sort of, like, tradition amongst... Uh, certain group of friends of mine to listen to those horrible songs, drink Moosehead um, during the postseason. That's, yeah, that's, that, that's, both of those are awesome. Do you have a select seat that you have when you sit down and watch the games? I know me and my mom have this thing, like she'll sit on the right side of the couch and then there's a table here's in front the, of it. So here's the thing about that though, okay? Mm-hmm. So once the play, so once the playoffs start, all like the media section fills up, right? I am not a priority member of the media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when all those national guys come to town, like what see I would like normally have gets aside, get put in like the broom closet, basically. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but I will tell you that uh, if I'm at home, if it's like on the like you know if I'm going home for it, yeah, I, I'll I'll sit like in a very specific area of the couch. Okay, yeah, I, I'm yeah. exactly yeah. the same way. My mom sits on the right side, and then I'm like I'm kind of on the floor and I, I have a couple shirts that I usually wear. Um, but though like if they lose one night, I'll change it just because you know, why, why wouldn't I? Um, I used to have a dinner we would have, I think it was our, my mom's chicken Marsala that she used to make long, 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 long time ago. But, um, we really, we haven't really brought that back for a while, but I, I, I wanted to know that before we ended off because especially during as it's coming up to playoff time, um, I've also started my beer, Jesse, if you haven't, um, just kind of in the beginning stages of it. Um, I can't wait to see if the Penguins go on a deep run into October, what it would look like. <laughs> so what I, um, it's interesting. I, because I, I grew a quarantine beer mm-hmm. and I'm just carrying it over into the playoffs, man. Okay. Just, uh, I'm rolling with what I got. It is absolutely gnar. It's disgusting. Is, like, it, almost, it's is so it as bad good. as Elliot Friedman's? Because he has like a James Harden kind of thing where you could fit a bird's nest into it. And, yeah. Okay, so it's like that. Yeah, I'm like at that level with my chin here. Yeah, like down that length. Okay. So I'm not going to shave this. Um, I'm just going to keep it and we're just going to roll like this. We're, we're heading right in. Okay, that's, that's absolutely amazing. But um, Jesse, I think this may do it for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Um, thank you so much for coming on, man. I uh, definitely want to have you on um, after the Penguins series, especially if they win. Maybe we can preview the, uh, the, the their series against whoever's up next, whether it's Philadelphia, Washington, uh, Tampa Bay, or, God forbid, the Boston Bruins if they go 0-3 in yeah. the round robin. But uh, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really do appreciate it. All right. No, anytime, man. Thank you. All right, perfect. So we'll have another episode coming tomorrow. Again, um, we'll be having a – Locked on Penguins Canadians crossover three times next week. It's just going to be a full hour long preview of the series with Scott and Laura. Um, I can't wait to just bring you guys that content. It'll be Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So um, we'll be talking to you all soon.